I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome one more time to Unformidable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded or lesser tenured or uh, lesser well-known Mets in our beloved franchise's quirky history. As every player who dons the Mets colors is in their own way unformidable to us. So it is that time again, everyone's favorite time on the New York baseball calendar. (laughs) I mean, because who would love their team uh, having a built-in competitive disadvantage every year, playing the most overpaid, most annoying, most well-funded and stocked, and uh, generally most successful uh, fucking team in baseball every year, while your rivals, well, at least is pretty strong. I mean, I suppose uh, the reality is that it's uh, fans of the Red Sox and the Rays and, you know, who should probably be annoyed at the competitive advantage the Yankees get every year, getting an extra couple of games on the schedule with the mid-market New York Metropolitans. But, uh, you know, at least with baseball fandom, I'm pretty myopic and not good at seeing other teams' viewpoints. So, uh, whatever. So we're going on year 22 of this rigmarole. Uh, I actually, I've never really known what to say about interleague play. I'm actually 
I'm not enough of a purist or a curmudgeon to hate it. I mean, I'm a purist and a curmudgeon, but not enough of one to flat out hate interleague play. Uh, the novelty aspect of it still entertains, uh, for me, barring an epic personal disaster or some kind of scheduling conflict when the Indians come to City Field in August, uh, they'll be the 29th team I've gotten to see play against the Mets. Uh, 30th, if you count the Expos, as a different team than the Nationals, which personally I do. So only the Chicago White Sox to go if I get to that Indians game. But I digress. I I enjoy I enjoy this shit. It's fun. It's interleague play could be fun, or we'll go back to the time when it was. I just don't enjoy playing the same team every year. I don't enjoy the excess hype and the excess caring. I I already care too much and invest too much emotion in how the Mets do on any particular day of the year. So playing the Yankees, you know, I have to I have to conjure up September pennant race emotions in June. Uh, so 22 years in a row, you know, I don't know. I'll take this last weekend series against the Rockies over this series pretty much any day of the week. Uh, but this pod lets me revisit the past and lets us revisit the past together, I hope, if you're out there listening. So, yeah, if I'm being completely honest, 22 years ago, the Mets playing the Yankees was a huge novelty, and the Interleague series everyone wanted to talk about in 1997 was the Subway series, and as any good Met fan knows, maybe even some casual Met fans, the debut of the Subway series could only bring to mind one random Met. So Dave Malicki, come on down. So before we get to Dave Malicki's day of glory, uh, let's take a look back at his uh, background and what brought him to the Mets. So he was born in, Dave Malicki was born in June 1968 in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, which was interesting because he would actually get drafted by the Indians. I, I don't know how long he lived there. I, I, I garnered not forever. He went to high school in Colorado and attended Oklahoma State University before he was selected in the 17th round of the 1990 amateur draft by those aforementioned Cleveland Indians. Uh, so looking at his minor league numbers, uh, he... They look pretty pedestrian to me. I mean, decent strikeout numbers, but just always, as anyone who watched him pitch in the late 90s would say, always allowed a lot of base runners, uh, propensity for allowing the home run ball. But, you know, maybe because he was in college, maybe because the Indians were still on the downswing in the early 90s before that uh, that 90s team really came together. Uh, he tore through the minor leagues pretty quickly. Uh, he was drafted in 90, and he made his major league debut two years later in September at age 24. Although he <clears throat> really bounced up and down with the Indians for those couple of years. He, ne- you know, he never really quite made much of a mark. He spent 93 mostly in the minors, again, coming up late in the season. And then he spent the entire strike-shortened 1994 season in AAA, uh, and in their first year in the newly configured American League Central, the Indians began to show signs of improvement. All in all, he made seven starts. Those were only seven appearances for the Indians over 92 and 93 for that childhood team. Couldn't, couldn't find out if he rooted for them or anything. I wish I could. Uh, he went 0-2, 4.37 ERA, and a 1.6 whip so more than one and a half base runners in inning 
not all that far off from what his career numbers would be, I'll have you know. I mean, obviously, young and not established, but man gave up base runners. Uh, so in that 94 offseason, uh, yeah, the Indians traded Dave Malicki to the New York Mets uh, with Paul Bird and Jerry Deputo for Jeremy Bernitz and Joe Roa. Wow, there are a lot of names I, I shouldn't have mentioned and should have saved for later podcasts. I absolutely forgot Jerry Depoto was on the Mets. That's kind of embarrassing. I do remember Paul Bird. And now Jerry Depoto's raking us in trades. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just run with this one and go against my Amazing Avenue team and just going to rail about this trade as long as I can. Uh, anyway. But for better or worse, and you know, the better is what we'll focus on today, Dave Malicki quickly became a fixture in the Mets Major League pitching roster, uh, primarily as a starter, although we'll get a little more into that specifically. He made 25 starts for the 1995 team, going 9-7 with a 4.26 ERA. He did have a, let me see, 4.52 uh, FIP that year, and he kind of routinely did that. If you look at his numbers, uh, evened out, his career ERA was 4.72, his career FIP was 4.84, but it seemed like every year he outperformed expectations, <clears throat> as you would expect for someone who managed 1,232 major league innings uh, to the tune of a 1.468 whip. So, well done, Dave Malicki. But he was um, successful as a starter in 95, as we said, uh, but Generation K was on the ascent. Uh, Jason Isringhausen and Paul Wilson uh, were in the rotation in 1996, a young Bobby Jones and the new Fordham Flash, Pete Harnish. So there wasn't room for Malicki in the 96 rotation. So uh, no surprise here, but uh, that middling stuff played up b- bit better in the bullpen. If someone in the organization had been paying attention, maybe we should have made a note of that. But over 90 innings in 1996, Malicki struck out 83. The only time he averaged more than 8 Ks per 9 innings, recorded a 3.30 ERA, over 51 appearances. Uh, of course, on the other hand, had Malicki been confined to the bullpen, we would have missed out on one of the more memorable starts in New York Mets history. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So in the fourth year of realignment, uh, Bud Selig and the powers that be finally pushed through the marketing ploy slash uh, progressive baseball idea of interleague play. Uh, 
And while the first interleague game ever, as I just looked up, was June 12th, which was the Texas Rangers, June 12th of 1997, the Texas Rangers hosting the San Francisco Giants. Boring! But the crown jewel of interleague play was undoubtedly going to be the first matchup that counted between two New York baseball teams since 1957. I'd say the crown jewel, yeah, I'd say with apologies to Chicago, but I mean, come on, they, they, they know, right? I mean, second city for a reason with their horrible pizza, a horrible excuse for a pizza, and surprisingly impressive hot dogs. But anyway, interleague play, June 16th, 1997, the that first Met-Yankee matchup that counted. Coming into the game, the defending champion New York Yankees were 37-29, and 29, well behind the Baltimore Orioles in the American League East, but pretty comfortably in wildcard position. Uh, and the surprising New York Mets behind new manager Bobby Valentine, who had well, taken over very late the previous season, were 36-30, and 30. Uh, so only one game off the Yankees' pace, uh, but in fourth place in a pretty brutal NL East featuring four of the five best records in the National League at game time on June 16th, 1997. So again, novelty was there and excitement was high, uh, I would admit for myself as well. I, I did not go, but I think I watched at a bar with some friends, which, uh, yes, I was old enough to go to a bar in 1997, very sad. But anyway, uh, the, yeah, the matchup did not favor the Mets, in my opinion, uh, even with the perennially overrated Andy Pettit taking the mound for the Yankees, because towing the rubber for the Mets in this first interleague game was our friend Dave Malicki. But for a team that just so often, you know, I don't know, (laughs) doesn't Makes things hard even when they do well. Oh, the Mets just came out of the box in this game. Uh, Gilkey and, oh, my beloved John Olerud, uh back-to-back doubles. Uh, so three batters into the game, the Mets had a one nothing lead. Um, Butch Husky singled to bring Olerud in and move Todd Hunley to third. And then the Mets pulled off a, a first-third double steal, and Todd Hunley stole home. So the Mets staked Dave Malicki to a 3-0 lead uh, before he even had to throw a pitch. And then Dave Malicki went out and, well, it was a nine-hitter, but he threw, I was going to say through the game of his life, but you know, this is a man who gave up a base, close to a base runner and a half an inning. So, uh, you know, let's, let's just, given the circumstances and given the attention, just... What a game from Dave Malicki. Derek Jeter let off the bottom of the first with a single, but then Malicki retired the next three batters, Pat Kelly on a ground out, and then strikeouts of Paul O'Neill and Cecil Fielder, and it just went a lot like that. I mean, if you if you look through the play-by-play, you know, base runners, most innings, uh, you know, second inning, he retired him in order, third inning, uh, Joe Girardi hit a one-out double, but struck out Jeter and Pat Kelly, and and so it went. Uh, the dictionary definition, if you will, of scattering uh, nine hits <laughs> and throwing a complete game shutout. Nine hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. Uh, Maliki was just on with the eyes of the baseball world on New York. Uh, the Mets 
actually dominated the Yankees. And, uh, you know, as, as I've heard Gary Cohen wax poetic about, as the stadium emptied late into the game with the Mets holding their 6 nothing lead, you know, and of course you always hear those competing chants back and forth, but oh, did Yankee Stadium sound like Shea Stadium at that time as, uh, as Malicki closed out the game, uh, did give up three hits in the ninth inning, uh, saved a bit by... Uh, Bernard Gilkey throwing out Charlie Hayes, trying to stretch a single into a double, but got through that ninth unscathed, struck out Derek Jeter looking to end the game, and the Mets had won the inaugural Subway Series game 6 to nothing. It was one of two complete game shutouts Malicki would throw in his Major League career, uh, the other with the Dodgers, so even if it wasn't the circumstances uh, that lent it so much weight, uh, absolutely one of his best performances as a Met by any standard. Fortunately, that would pro- not just psychologically be the peak of Maliki's time with the Mets. Uh, he did wrap up 97-8-12 with a 4-even ERA in his 32 starts, but he started off 1998, uh, another Met squad that made an ill-fated run at the wild card behind the, you know, always running away with the division Braves. And in the 10 starts he made with the Mets in 98, he was 1-4 uh, with a 5.68 ERA. So in June of 98, the Mets traded him with Greg McMichael to the Los Angeles Dodgers for Brad Klontz and Hideo Nomo. <clears throat> if I remember, I, I think it was pretty much a Maliki for Nomo kind of trade of uh, pitchers who were struggling, change of scenery kind of deal to see how it would work out. And it worked out how you'd expect with yeah, I think both of them being pretty much as mediocre as they were for their previous teams. Maliki hung on for uh, several years after leaving the Mets. Uh, that 97 season, uh, not only was the game his best, but aside from that relief year, that was definitely also his best season. He actually didn't record an ERA under 4.5 after that season. Uh, he pitched a two and a half years with the Tigers. Uh, and then in 2001, in the playoff stretch run, the Astros actually picked him up from the Tigers in a trade for, I had had to get this name in here, in a trade for Jose Lima. Uh, the Astros acquired Maliki, and he went 7-3 uh, and three for them down the stretch as they made the playoffs. And Maliki actually made his only playoff appearance for that 2001 Astros team where he started game two of the NLDS against the Braves and was a hard luck loser uh, in a one nothing game two uh, at a game where Tom Glavin started and went eight scoreless. Uh, Maliki gave up one unearned run over five innings and took the loss in his one playoff start. Kind of cool that he got that opportunity as the next season, I believe, would be Maliki's final one in the majors. Maliki would go 4-10 for the Astros in 2002 at the age of 34 in what would be his final major league season. So he would finish his career, a nice 10-year major league career, uh, 66-80 with a 4.72 ERA. Uh, A lot of that was spent in, you know, what probably would be the height of what we'd consider the steroid era now. So, you know, I'd have to look up the league average ERA then. But, uh, yeah, Maliki was certainly not a dominant pitcher by any means. As I said, 1.468 whip, I mean, gave up almost a base runner and a half an inning. He was hittable, uh, 
but he, you know, as the as the veterans would like to say, he pitched around it, he battled, et cetera, et cetera, and he really did spend his best years with the Mets. Uh, you could argue, uh, tw- you know, 24 and 30, 4.15 ERA, and he certainly had his best or most memorable day in the major leagues. I, well, I guess I can't say, I mean, maybe pitching in the playoffs is more memorable for him, but uh, yeah, I've definitely seen him interviewed. Uh, definitely seems to be a highlight of his career uh, from what he said, that first interleague game. And it was certainly a highlight for all Met fans watching, and it's certainly something that made Dave Malicki unformidable to us Met fans. Hopefully this year's iteration of the Subway series has uh, some equally, maybe we'll all be talking about Vargi uh, and his, you know, well, his back-to-back shutouts against the Giants and then the Yankees. Probably not. Um, by the time you listen to this, we'll probably know. But thank you, as always, for listening to Unformidable. Uh, please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Uh, you can follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and the Grams. Uh, you can find this podcast and all of our incredibly amazing pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. It really helps us out. Original music by Bunga. And I'm on Twitter at WolfRR. And the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, as always. And let's go Mets, especially against the Yankees. All right, I guess I'm giving credence to the interleague play primacy and import by doing that so you know just just generally same as always let's go next.